Good morning. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me to join you again. Uh, It's been a while because I realized when I walked in, I hadn't seen your new open sangha room with the beautiful wood floor. Congratulations on a really lovely space. It really changes the whole room. I find it very ironic and amusing sometimes to give Dharma talks. When I first came to practice 20 years ago, I walked in not knowing anything and within a few years began to think I did know something and looked forward with great pleasure to the occasions when I could give a lecture once a year or something, thinking that I knew something. And then as the years went by, the longer you practice, the more you realize how little you really know. And that you realize that words just don't do it. That no matter how eloquent you are, no matter how deep your understanding, that words, just by their very nature, are nothing more than this finger pointing at the moon, but they're not the moon. So in the middle of this understanding that nothing I can say is actually right and that everything I know is almost nothing, somehow that qualifies me now to give Dharma talks. (laughs) So the only thing that I can do in a case like that is take the advice of the Buddha at the end of his life when he said to trust your own experience. So today I thought that I would share basically what I'm practicing with right now, which is about intention. Every day I struggle. I struggle with the alarm going off and thinking, oh, I don't want to get up at 5.30 this morning. I, oh, I don't really need to sit this morning. I could get away with it today. I really want to go back to sleep. I have this long five-minute argument before I finally get out of bed, and sometimes I don't. And, and then I struggle with my intention to watch my anger, which is the place I always have to work. I get annoyed. I get irritated. I lose my temper occasionally. I'm getting better. It's always my intention to not even allow it out of the gate. But again, sometimes it gets out. Even in Zazen, it is my intention always to keep track of my wandering mind and bring it back and start breathing again intentionally. But, of course, my mind wanders. I'm sure you don't have this problem at all, but I certainly do. (laughs) So we all have these intentions. And, you know, there's that famous old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that's kind of how I feel about it. And then, of course, in Buddhist practice, Whatever flavor of Buddhism you do, our fundamental intention is to cause no harm. 
Well, we do it all the time. Everybody here, probably, most of you, came in a car. How many insects did we kill on the way here? We cause harm. We cannot survive without pulling up a cabbage. Even if you're a vegetarian, you know, I mean, I think Aitken Roshi once said the only difference between animals and vegetables is that animals scream louder. <laughs> you know? We have to kill something in order to eat, in order to live. We don't cause harm intentionally all the time, but we do cause it. And sometimes we cause it intentionally. Someone says something to us that's mean. Boy, we say the mean thing back. Or the sarcastic thing. Or the irritated thing. And then even though the other person started it, it doesn't matter. Both of our feelings are hurt. And that's harm. So recently I just finished this wonderful novel that I guess got made into a movie, which I haven't seen yet, called Cold Mountain. And it's a story that takes place at the time of the Civil War, but there's a story in, within that story that is about trying to do the right thing. And even when you're trying to, it goes wrong. He's trying to get home, this soldier. And at one point... During the war, he had had a dream about bears. And it was a lovely dream. And the bears came to represent for him something holy and, and of the natural world. And when he woke up from this dream, he made a vow to bear, which was that he would never kill one again. In his youth, apparently, in the hills of North Carolina, killing bear was something you did, and bear meat was good stuff. But he made a vow to bear. So he's wandering through the hills when accidentally he comes upon a mama bear and a baby bear. Now apparently bears don't see very well. It's mostly through their nose that they know what's going on. He stands very still. He's seen her, but she doesn't know he's there yet. But then just accidentally, some little crack of a branch or something under his foot. And now she hears him. And because her baby is with her, of course, she's that much more protective. And she starts going toward him. Well, he's got what's called a lamatz kind of heavy-duty pistol. He could shoot the bear. But he's, he's made the vow to bear. He's, he's got the good intention that he is not going to kill this bear. And the bear keeps coming toward him, and he keeps backing up and backing up until all of a sudden he's backed up as far as he can go because there is a ravine, and the bear is still coming. And the only thing he can do, it's either him or the bear. She's coming at him now with some momentum. And he steps aside. Bear goes over the ravine. And he sees her being split open on the rocks. And he is devastated. 
because here he had this, the best of intentions, a vow, a holy vow even. And in trying to keep it, the bear was still killed. And then worse, the baby has not been weaned yet. And he knows it will die a terrible, lonely, painful death of starvation. And so he kills it. Even when we want to live a life of intention, of causing no harm, events happen. Things happen in our life that make it difficult. So there's this very famous Zen master, Dogen, from the 13th century. And in one of the very first things he ever wrote down, called the Fukan Zazengi, which is sort of instructions about how to sit. But in the beginning, as he's introducing it, he's talking about causing no harm. He's talking about clarifying our intention. And he says, Therefore, put aside the intellectual practice of investigating words and chasing phrases and learn to take the backward step that turns the light and shines it inward. Body and mind of themselves will drop away and your original face will manifest. If you want such a thing, get to work on such a thing immediately. So first he tells us, put aside all your thinking mind, the intellectual practice of investigating words and chasing phrases in the normal way that we learn how to do things, analyzing. He says, forget that. That's not the way. But take the backward step. In other words, stop looking out there. Come in here. Shine the light in here. This is sitting practice. This is what we're doing here today. We are letting the outside world go its own way for a while, and we are shining the light in here and watching moment by moment what arises. Then he says, body and mind of themselves, in other words, without your help, will drop away. And your original face will manifest itself. Your original nature, your true nature, will reveal itself when you get yourself out of your way. We're always the ones getting in our own way. Nobody else is doing it. Not really. And this is what in Buddhism is called emptiness. Emptiness is just the blue sky of mind without all these little thunderclouds of emotion or serious clouds of high intellectual thought. (laughs) Just blue sky as we're sitting. And then moment by moment, some drifting little cumulus cloud may go by. Oh, the argument I had with my mother. Oh, oh, being irritated with my son. 
coming back to the blue sky. But then he says, and here's the part that I'm working on. If you want such a thing, if you want to have that level of clarity so that you'll cause the least amount of harm that you can, get to work on such a thing immediately. Stop messing around. Stop saying, oh, I'll get up in five minutes or 10 or 20 or maybe next week. (laughs) He says, now, now is it. So he says, first of all, if you want such a thing, all right, what is that? In other words, if this is your heart's desire, if this is your intention, intention is a fixed direction of the mind on a particular thing, an object or a path. And every single one of you right now, I know that it is your intention to wake up or you wouldn't be here today. It is your intention to do this peaceful practice in order to establish and manifest peacefulness in a really crazy, paranoid, fast, violent world. That is your intention. And we can use our intention as the focus for our meditation. When the mind is wandering away, we can remind ourselves, ah, it is my intention to stay here in this moment and come back to my breath. Many people that I work with, you know, they're having particular difficulties in their life at that time. Maybe like me, they work with anger. Or maybe they work with greed. Or maybe they work with delusion, whatever it is. And so I often say, all right, here's a practice for you. When you take your seat, before you actually begin to follow your breath, state your intention to yourself. It is my intention to practice with my anger or just with anger because it's really not mine. And then go to your breath. And of course, after a few minutes, the mind, you know, begins to kind of wander. And when you finally realize it's wandered, then you can remind yourself, ah, I am sitting with the intention to practice with anger and I'm going to come back to my breath, even in the midst probably of angry thoughts. We, we use our intention to come back and focus. We don't think about it. We don't say, oh, okay, I'm going to sit here and analyze everything I know about my anger. Hmm. Well, let's see. I got it from my mother. I got it from my father. (laughs) It doesn't really help. I mean, it's nice to know those things. But actually what we're waiting for is big mind to arise. And if our mind is so full If our blue sky has just got thunderclouds all over it, there's no place for big mind to show itself. So it's just 
intention and then back to the breath. But then remember Dogen says, okay, he says first, if you want such a thing, then he says, get to work on such a thing immediately. What he's talking about is determination. It was interesting, as I was thinking about this, I thought, boy, intention, determination, they're very similar things. But here's the difference. I have an intention to do something, but I am determined to do it. There is a strength in determination that intention needs. It's not enough for me to tell myself, I am going to get up tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning and sit. I have to have the determination when the alarm goes off, you are getting your feet out of bed under the cold floor. (laughs) I have to have the, the will to do it. Determination is strength. It's resoluteness. And it's also perseverance. I know plenty of people who, you know, full-on practice. They can go to a practice period at Tassajara for three whole months and they get up every morning at four o'clock and boy, they're really, they come back and next thing you know, they stop sitting all together. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) What happened to that? Well, they have the intention to do the practice, but they don't have anybody watching over them all the time now, so they've lost their determination, their strength to follow it through. And, you know, this practice is not easy because if we're really honest, sometimes uncomfortable things are going to arise. And let's face it, human beings, our first thought when something uncomfortable arises, where's the exit door? (laughs) We don't like to be uncomfortable. And practice asks us to just be there with it. A long time ago, my teacher and his teacher at that time, who was Kobenchino Roshi, were being interviewed for a radio station. I may have been KPFA or something like that, but it, it was not, you know, one of the big radio stations. It was a local station. And I don't know what the whole conversation was, but at some point the interviewer turned to both of them and said, so what technique do you use in meditation? Now, my teacher, who was a very young person at that time, kind of bristled. He had known for a long time meditation was not a technique. He got caught by the word. Oh, what do you think? This is like, you know, learning how to swim? So inside, he got, he got irritated and he got lost in his irritation. And at that moment, Govinchino's voice came through his emotional bristling and he heard him say, oh, we use best technique. <laughs> Students' determination. Les said he got chills up and down his back. Because Coben had just cut through it. Best technique. Who cares about the word? So the interviewer, you know, used some funny words. So what? Actually, Coben was right. 
Zazen, meditation practice, relies on two things. The first is fairly simple, which is you have an intention to wake up. I think, I think a lot of people have that intention. But you're sitting here today, which tells me that you also have determination. And that's the only thing that gets us out of bed. That is the thing that helps us keep doing this pretty difficult practice for days and weeks and months and years and the rest of our life. You know, this is not something like, um, I don't know, there, there are plenty of practices that people take up. You know, some people, for instance, they decide they want to learn how to play the guitar. And after about a year, well, they've learned the basic chords. That's enough. That's all I need. And they may or may not play after that even. But meditation, this is like brushing your teeth. You know, this is not something that you decide, you know, well, I can do it next week. You get a foul taste in your heart. So what I personally have to keep working with is the notion of good intention, bad intention. We have to go beyond good and bad altogether because that's still dualistic thinking. And we are going to get caught by that for sure. Oh, well, even if I didn't do it, I had the best of intentions. There is a rationalization for you. What's the difference between having a good intention and not fulfilling it versus having a bad intention and not fulfilling it? Well, nothing happened, so it's kind of 50-50 and cut down the middle. Our intention to cause no harm, to wake up to our life, to ourself, is one of process. There's not a good intention or a bad intention. There is merely intention. And then there is determination to follow it through. But I don't get to make the intention once and be done. Oh, yes, I intend to be a very good human being. Okay, made that intention. Now, what's next? We have to make the intention over and over again. And we have to keep our level of determination full on. You know, there's this wonderful saying that you should practice like your head is on fire. Well, believe me, if your head is on fire, you're going to be running around screaming and shouting and there's going to be a whole lot of energy in you. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. You cannot become complacent. You lose the strength of determination then, even if you still hold the good intention. But it's a process. And some days I get up, and some days I don't. And I learn from both of those things. I learn from the day I do get up and sit. I learn from the day that I don't. Suzuki Roshi said that there's actually a name for this in Japanese. I can't remember the Japanese for it, but our practice is called One Mistake After Another. 
Well, think about it. How do children learn? I work with children all the time, and believe me, they don't learn by doing everything right. They learn by doing things wrong, quote unquote. What do we mean by that? All right. What we mean by that is that there's a way that things kind of work out the way you wanted them to versus they don't work out the way you wanted them to. Like if you're throwing sand in Billy's face, Billy doesn't want to be your friend anymore. Is it right or is it wrong? Beside the point, my intention was I wanted Billy to be my friend, but now he doesn't want to be because I've thrown sand in his face. Oh, hmm, guess I better rethink that. Same thing for us. You're going down the freeway and someone cuts you off. (laughs) This is always my favorite example because I see it all the time. Is it better to lay on your horn and give them the finger as you're going by? Does that change the fact that they cut you off? No. (laughs) Would it be better perhaps for you to hold onto the wheel and maintain control of your vehicle? Yes. (laughs) Are you still thinking about it three hours later? Who's suffering? The person who cut you off has completely forgotten you, I hate to tell you. (laughs) Uh, So our first thing in practice is the intention to do no harm. The second is the determination of, all right, how are we going to do such a thing? How are we going to cause no harm? How are we going to wake up to our life? And then the third thing is effort. Well, effort is actually already part of determination, so you've, you've already fulfilled part of effort, and that is why we say effortless effort, because you really don't have to try so hard if you have a strong intention and strong determination. So anybody who knows me for any length of time finds out that my very favorite teaching story is The Wizard of Oz. I have watched this, the movie version, all my life. And as I became a Zen student and began watching it, I began thinking, huh, this is every bit as good as all those Zen koans. (laughs) Well, in thinking about intention and determination, I remembered that the very last part of the movie is exactly about this. And so I wanted to share this with you. I I could do three hours of a Dharma talk just on what I'm going to read here, but I'll just talk about the intention part and go home and watch this movie again. It's at the very end. Dorothy has been wanting nothing more than to get home. And she's been joined by her companions, and they all got what they wanted. You know, Scarecrow got a brain, Tin Man got a heart, Lion got courage, but she says to the wizard, boy, I don't think there's anything in that black bag for me. And he says, oh, you have forced me into a cataclysmic decision. I will have to take you back myself. So there they are, and they've got the big balloon, He's, you know, the hot, hot air balloon. He's going to take her back, and at the last second, Toto sees a cat. And this is so much like my own house with my dog and my cat. (laughs) Toto sees a cat, jumps out of her arms. She climbs out of the hot air balloon and it starts going away. And she's like, come back, come back. And the wizard says, I can't. I don't know how it works. (laughs) 
Well, there's a whole Dharma talk, but we'll let that go. The little ball comes down. Glinda appears. And Dorothy runs over and she says, Oh, can you help me? Will you help me? You don't need my help anymore. You've always had the power to go home. I have? Scarecrow says. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. And then the tin man says, Well, what have you learned, Dorothy? And here it is. Well, I think that it wasn't enough to want to go home. And, and that it's if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Is that right? That's all it is. <laughs> but that's so easy. I should have thought of it with my brain. I should have felt it with my heart. No, she had to find it out for herself. I should have thought of it with my brain. Stop chasing phrases. Stop intellectualizing. Stop analyzing. There's Dogen out there. I should have felt it with my heart. Even the heart, which is symbolic of the emotional state of human beings, cannot help you here. Emotions are a wonderful thing at the right time and place, but they will cloud your clarity. You can't do it with your intellect. You can't do it with your emotions. You have to find out how to get home yourself. So she says it wasn't enough to want to go home intention. I had to figure out how to do it. I had to determine I was going to. I have traveled all over this yellow brick road looking for the way to do it. To find myself at the end, here and whole. Intention and determination got Dorothy back to Kansas. All these powerful people, the wizard, he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Glinda, with all her powers, you know, she can, she can bring down snow on the poppies in the middle of summer, but she can't do anything about the Wicked Witch? <laughs> what? And the Wicked Witch, boy, the evil in our life is sometimes so easily taken care of. You know? A little bit of water on the fire. 
at the right time. So does that mean I'm going to have an easier time getting up tomorrow to sit? (laughs) But I am determined to do so. Thank you.